Welcome to Write Way, a podcast that empowers writers to become successful authors by offering a truly no-bullshit look behind the curtain of the publishing industry. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You want to write a book, but you have no idea where to start. Should you hire an editor? Should you just self-publish? Should you just give up and hide under a rock? Write Way is here to put the power back in your hands. I'm your host, Rhea Fry. As CEO and founder of RightWayCo.com and a published author myself, I teach one thing. Writing is about more than just craft. It's also a business, and it's imperative to understand the ins and outs of this industry so that you become your own best advocate. So if you're ready to stake your claim as an author, let us show you exactly how to do it the right way. Hey guys, welcome back to the Right Way Podcast, second episode. Um, If this is your first time joining us, make sure to check out our first episode. So you want to write a book, now what? And get prepared because today we are talking about something that people never want to talk about. Very near and dear to Rhea's heart right now. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, yes. Um, We are talking about money. Um, I feel like this is a subject that people get really uncomfortable with, especially if you are a writer. I mean, I think in, in daily life, people don't really go around discussing money unless you have a lot of it or unless you have none of it. But we're going to really dive deep today because money in general is so important. Um, if you are an aspiring author, if you're a published author, if you're a screenwriter, No matter what profession you're in, obviously, it's super important. So we're going to kind of get in there and just get right into it. Well, it's interesting that you say that, too. Don't you kind of feel that, like, it's the subject that everybody wants to talk about? And then the moment you start talking about it, it's like, Oh, it is. It is. And I, I mean, I talk about it a lot, probably more than I should. And I'm kind of in a conversation of one sometimes (laughs) because no one wants to. Well, you're you're candid about it too. I do feel like you've always been really candid and forthright about not only everything about, you know, your, your journey specifically, but you know, the journey of someone, um, publishing, uh, anyway. Um, but this is one thing in particular that you're sort of like, Hey, I'll lay out, I'll lay out all the dollars and cents, for you so that you can really see how this for breaks sure, down. Because, you know, I think to understand your numbers is to be one step ahead in the publishing industry in general. If you don't understand how many works, if you don't understand how you get paid, if you don't understand when you get paid or what you're really bringing home and what the expectations are um, for you to sell then you're you're going to be in trouble or you're going to be grossly disappointed or you might be surprised, you know, if you if you do well. But I think without us talking about it and it's not something that really is even discussed with your team other than your agent, your agent is the one that kind of handles the money. You know, it can be a I don't know, it can be a really like daunting subject matter to try to figure out how to navigate all of this. And I know, you know, you and I, Joe, we we do talk about money a lot. And I think our issues with money kind of go deep. I think we're the poster children for kind of like what not to do <laughs> with money. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And I mean, I grew up, my family didn't have a lot of money at all. Like my dad didn't even start making money uh, with his job, like good money until he was 40. 
And I mean, we just didn't have a lot growing up and I didn't, money was this like vague concept that I wasn't aware of. I mean, it's interesting. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's interesting that you say that because, and I, I do think one of the things that I do want to stipulate though, Rhea, is that I think you're much more responsible about money than I am. I don't know. I I haven't. No, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm aware of it. I mean, well, I've made a lot of really dumb decisions in my life with money. I've I've proven the point though that I can be responsible with money, and then I've gone the complete <laughs> and then opposite subsequently way. Subsequently, torpedoed I think, I think that uh, proving. I mean, trying to, but I, I feel I still feel like I have so much to learn. And I mean, God, you know, growing up when you when you when you don't understand money for what it is like it's this energy source it's limitless but when you grow up not even paying attention to it when you go out into the world and have no concept of how to save it of what to spend it on um i mean it can it can be really confusing when you are trying to make it or when you're trying to keep it and i've had you know times in my life where i've had like big sums of money money coming in but i didn't assign a task to that money so i kind of got really overwhelmed and didn't know what to do with it but in terms of writing you know i don't know if you feel like this but i grew up really buying into that stereotype that you cannot make money as a writer that it's a pipe dream you know i i felt that stereotype as a as as a creator, like I feel like as a creative, I've uh, I feel like the assumption is that I mean I think the struggling artist is the stere- is our stereotype. There's no the the flourishing artist is not an is not a type. That's not you know um, it's not what we're meant. It's not sort of how we understand um, the practice or the craft or or any of those industries. We're, we're just not. I think we see a version of it. I think we're either shown. Uh, the absolute uh, one absolute extreme. Yes. I think there's so much polarity in our understanding of what uh, what art is or what art art profession is that we only see uh, absolute wealth and ostentatiousness, or we see the struggling a, artist. A thousand percent. We don't, I mean, we yeah. sensationalize, which is a bummer. I think it's I think it's a disservice to anyone who's pursuing a career. Uh, in the arts or as well it is and I mean I think we do sensationalize being I don't know being in the public eye in general but in terms of author stories again yeah you only hear about those books that sell for millions of dollars or you know the wildly successful authors as if you know if you don't hit that then you're not successful and I think that's a really dangerous stereotype to listen to or to buy into but I mean, I kind of grew up believing like, oh, it's a hobby. Writing's a hobby. You can't make money as it, uh, money from it. And then, and then I went out and I proved that concept that you can't make money as a writer by, you know, my first novel that got published. That was just a really crappy deal. I didn't know anything about the publishing industry. I made some really terrible decisions. Well, and then correct I had me if four- I'm wrong. Correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, uh, but. And this is a generalization about like the the sometimes root cause of that because I I agree with you that I had a vague I've always had a vague sense of money I think it was for different reasons in my upbringing because I grew up relatively comfortable but I don't think I was ever prompted to get a grasp on what 
money was. And it was never, as a result, it was never really important to me to a degree. But then after enough time, I assigned a lot of shame to money. Oh, there's so much shame around money. Of course. Not having it. And so I, I don't know if you felt this because you were young when you published that first novel. I mean, I was or young. Yeah, you know. I was 22. And I mean, money wasn't even a I wasn't doing it for money. I just and good thing because I didn't make any <laughs> on that book. Thank but, God I didn't. Thank yeah. God I didn't need it. But you know, I, yes, there's so much shame or for me, it's not been shame around money. It's scarcity, like living in this scarcity mindset, like, oh my God, the money's going to run out. Or it's so crazy what it can do to your psyche to like see a number, this imaginary number with these zeros in your bank account. And by adding one or two zeros, you can feel okay. Or you can feel absolutely stressed. Um, it's well, insane. And- this is the reassurance that, like, you know, I think f- uh, at a macro standpoint, I think there's a lot of people in America that got to get uh, their relations straight, straight with money. Um, you know, seek a little counseling, go to Debtors Anonymous, like check that shit out. But I think we're definitely, yeah, we're definitely here on this podcast to address the fact that your perception of being a writer might be huge advance, six-figure advance in New York Times best-selling author, or you got to live like Bukowski. And we're here to tell you that like neither of those things are probably necessarily true, um, but that you can find your own niche and find a, and make a really comfortable, great living as a writer. You, you completely can. And that doesn't have to just be writing books. I mean, I've, I've done so much with, you know... Um, clients and I was a senior editor for numerous publications. I was a managing editor. I worked for online magazines and billion dollar companies and startups. And also you've published you've published a wide array of books. Like Well, I think- but the funny thing is I didn't really make money from that. I mean I I've only seen royalty checks so that which means I've only earned out my advance from like one of those books, which is crazy. Hmm. Um the not the nonfiction, the non-fiction ones? yep, yeah, and I mean, again, I think that was a case of, ooh, I want to be published. I want to be published. I didn't ask any questions. I didn't know how many books I needed to sell to earn out my advance, and then I just kind of like sat back and was like, when's that royalty check coming? Uh, now with fiction, it's been totally different because I went in with eyes wide open. I earned out my advance with uh, my first book very quickly. And, but I, I don't think I would have done that without really understanding the expectation. How many books do I need to sell? What is the difference between, you know, an advance and a royalty, which we'll talk about, because I feel like there's a lot of terminology in the publishing world specifically that people don't really, really understand, or you don't truly get how you get paid or when you get paid or how it all works. And I want to kind of go through some of that. I mean, you could tell me, you can stop me if I'm speaking out of turn here, but we were, you know, in sort of plotting the season, uh, the content of our, of our podcast season, this wasn't necessarily a topic that we were going to discuss right now, Sure, (laughs) but you have been dealing with some publishing industry related money stuff in the moment as we speak. Yes. I mean, it's, and do you want to talk about that? At yeah. All? <laughs> I mean, I think this is really important uh, to, to discuss because just because you are a published author does not mean 
that everything is roses or you're getting paid all of the time or, I mean, I've always been of, of the mindset like, oh, I have a team and I have professionals, like everything's going to go like clockwork. And recently I've had a very frustrating situation happen where I was owed a specific amount of money, which was not a small amount of money. My husband just quit his job, um, you know, so we lost like that W-2 income and all those benefits and it's a very scary and exciting time, but I needed this money and this money was owed to me like in November and where we were in February and I literally... And we're talking like money prior to the holiday season. Well, I needed it for the holidays. I mean, yeah, we were going into a very stressful season. We were very tight on money and all of this, I mean, this really caused so much stress over uh, over the past couple of months that was completely unnecessary, but... It got to a point where I had to get a lawyer. I had to kind of threaten um, to take further action about something that belongs to me that someone else had. And it was a real eye opener to me to understand how important it is to make the right relationships, to understand where your money is, to understand where your money's going. And this isn't just in publishing, this is just in business. I mean, if you're in the client-related field at all, it can constantly feel like you're waiting on money or you're waiting to get paid or you're waiting, waiting, waiting. And I, I recently talked to a friend of mine who's a great author and she has been waiting on a royalty check that she was owed. I mean, you know, you're legally owed money at certain periods of time. Like your contract states, like you have to get paid within 10 days of receipt of payment or 14 days. Uh, um, can we, sorry, before we get into that, can we break that down a little bit? Can you, uh, just for anyone that doesn't know, like, why don't you like break down how you make money from when, when you publish a book? So we'll like- talk about, so let's talk about traditional publishing. Cause I feel like that's what people kind of are more curious about. You know, when you self publish, you are paying for everything. You're receiving a higher royalty rate and you, you get paid pretty immediately. You're not having to sell a certain amount of books to get paid. You start seeing money immediately. But in the traditional publishing world, <clears throat> there's something that most authors will get offered if you're Um, traditionally published. It's called an advance. So this is money that a publisher is paying a writer before the publication of a book. Um, Now, if you have a literary agent, they are the ones that are negotiating this contract for you, this publishing contract for you. And they are trying to secure this contract where you will hopefully get an advance. You will get offered a certain amount of money Um, to write this book. Now, in the climate that we are in, you know, gosh, not even a few months ago, the typical advance to get for writing a book um, for anyone was $10,000, which, you know, isn't a small amount of money. But that was like the standard. That was like the gold standard. standard. Yeah. And so now the standard, a lot of traditional publishers, unless you are with one of the big five, so one of the the big publishing houses in New York, um, a lot of them are going to no advances. They're not offering money up front, but they're offering a higher royalty rate on the back end. And a royalty, it's a percentage of money that an author receives from a publisher 
based off sales terms within a contract. So, you know, say, well, we'll get into the math of this, but I want to, I want to walk through this a little bit. So let's, let's pretend that you get offered $10,000 to write your book and that you have a literary agent. Now, a literary agent takes 15% of all of your earnings. So right off the bat, when you get offered $10,000, your agent is going to take 15% of that. However, you do not get paid all at once. So it's not like you sign a contract and then you get that $10,000. Number one, the contract um, length, the contract duration can take, I mean, sometimes it can take weeks, sometimes it can take months to even sign the deal and get everything done. Once you get done, that advance is paid in installments and it can be as many as four installments. Usually it's paid in thirds. So when you really break this down, it's kind of crazy. So, you know, is you that get, over the course of like a like over the course yeah, of how long do these sure do the so do you get paid? That depends on your publishing contract. Like for mine, um, was my first contract was eighteen months from the time I signed the book or signed the contract until the time the book came out. So I got paid a third of that amount when I signed my contract. A third once I turned my manuscript in and it was accepted for publication. So that means we had gone through a few rounds of edits and then my editor kind of signed off on it. And then I got my last installment when my book actually came out. So if you're getting paid $10,000, you are going to make your first payment is going to be $3,333. Um, your first installment and your agent will get $500 of that installment right away, right away off the top. So your second payment would be the same. Your third payment would be the same. So your actual payment would be $2,833 per installment. So, but (laughs) you have to account for taxes. If you're being smart about this and I wish I had done this right off the bat, I have a business checking account, a business savings account for my author account. The moment any money comes in, I immediately take 20 or 30% of that and just pop it into my business savings for taxes. So if you did that, then your take home for each installment would be $1,984. So your real total take home of that $10,000 is $5,952. So it's funny too because like no one really um and this especially I think with with fees like rep fees and stuff like that no one's no one really keeps that in mind. Everybody gets stars in their eyes when they hear that like initial amount, but you know, it's it's true in screenwriting too. If you sell a script uh or you sell a pitch, uh, if you're lucky enough to do so, there's at least an agent probably an agent and a manager, maybe in some cases, agent, manager, lawyer that are all taking their commission right away, right off the top. Completely. And I mean, um, and it's, so, it's well you know, deserved. It's something to be aware of. It is yeah. something to be aware of. I mean, I, I get, you know, writers who ask me like, do I really need an agent? And I mean, I would never do a deal without one. I love my agent to death. I mean, she is there for my whole career. She is so fantastic. And when you actually 
when you factor in what they are making, I mean, 15% is not a lot. And they work for free until you actually do get a deal. But going yeah, give back- that hustle some thought. <laughs> Put yeah. some, you know, get, gain some perspective on that hustle for sure. Yeah. Completely. And so when you look at this, when you look at that take-home amount, $5,952 um, over 18 months, that is not sustainable. And back in the day, like a long time ago, um, you know, a writer would get paid a decent advance all up front to actually write their book. So, I mean, that's, say you get $25,000, you know, or $50,000, like that could sustain you for several months to write your book. I mean, that's the way that it was done. That was kind of the purpose of an advance. And now, you know, it's really rapidly shifting. So if you get no advance, you are spending however many months of your life crafting that book, then you have to wait for it to publish and then hopefully sell copies. And then you get into what's called, you know, the royalties. And when, okay, so a lot of questions I get around advance. Uh, hey, uh, one, one quick yeah. question, uh, novice question. Because of an advance is called an advance. Is that is that money on sales? Or like if your book doesn't sell, that money's always yours. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, that's exactly what I was about to say. So there is a common misconception out there that like, Oh God, say I get, you know, a hundred thousand dollar advance. If my book doesn't sell, like say your book sells 10,000 copies, do I have to pay that money back? And the answer is no, that advance is yours. As long as you turn in your manuscript, you actually turn it in and don't just like take the money and run. (laughs) Um, that, that money is yours. However, you will never see another dime unless you earn out your advance. So what does that mean? Which means? Yeah, yeah. So think about it. I always like to say it like this. So for every dollar you receive through an advance. So again, we'll talk about this $10,000. You must earn a dollar from your book sales before you start receiving any additional royalty payments. So... And and the royalty rate can be really different. Like you can have a 7% royalty rate, a 10% royalty rate, a 15% royalty rate, but almost always it works out to be like a dollar per book. So if I am to get a $10,000 advance, then I would technically have to sell 10,000 copies before I start seeing any royalties. So I have to sell 10,000 copies to earn out my advance to then start making that 7% on the on the price of the book. So, you know, if you have like a a 20 a $20 book and you're only getting 7% royalties, you can see how much the publisher is making versus how much you're making. Now, if you're if your royalty rate works out to be where you're getting $4 a book, then you could earn out your $10,000 advance by only selling 2,500 copies of a book. I mean, it's like a big, crazy word problem. It makes people's heads spin. But I feel like a lot of times getting a smaller advance is not a terrible thing. I mean, no, you're not going to get publisher support, but it it's less pressure <laughs> to, and less expectation. Like if you get a $10,000 advance and you sell 5,000 copies, then you're not gonna be performing well in your publisher's eyes. However, if you get a $10,000 advance and you sell 25,000 copies of your book, then that's gonna be seen as successful. So 
it so in this digital course that we just put out so you want to write a book now what i actually have an earn out worksheet included in there that you can play around with the numbers where you can put in the price of a book the price of an advance and how many copies you need to sell of your ebook your you know trade paperback hardback book whatever before you start seeing your royalty which is really That's cool a good, but good opportunity there guys to let you know that you can Subscribe and pay for that digital course at rightwayco.com. And you should, if you want to do that math, to figure out exactly how much you'd be walking home with, depending on uh, what your deal was. Would you say that people, is like our perception of like this New York Times bestselling, like smoking jacket wearing, like author, do you think, is the money made in royalties? Is that where they're making that money? Well, that, oh God, that's, a, that's a really tough question. No, I mean, I think like a lot of these big authors, um, now if you're an unknown author and you hit the New York Times bestseller list, I mean, I'd say nine times out of 10, they got a really big advance. So they probably got a six-figure advance to write their book, which means the publisher wants to make that money back. So they are really going to invest in the author. They're going to put their resources behind that author to make sure that they sell at least 100,000 copies. Um, and to make the New York Times bestselling bestseller list, you only have to sell 7,000 copies within the first week. But again, I think we talked about this a little bit. It's not total sales. It's just pulling random numbers, uh, book numbers from independent bookstores. It's not a total number of sales. So it's very elitist. And that's why my editor is always like, don't ever think about, don't even worry about the New York Times bestseller Who list. Who gives a fuck about the New York right. Times? Right. I mean, everybody wants it. I mean, would I love to be on it one day? Of Absolutely. But the USA Today list, um, Wall Street Journal, those bestseller lists are more indicative of total sales. Um, well, everybody wanted to, wants to be on Oprah's book club too. But Yeah. And I mean, again, this goes back to, to really defining your goals and figuring out why you're doing this. If you're doing it for money, we said this on the first episode, but you know, then you've got to really understand the money. You've got to understand the numbers. You have to understand how many books you need to sell, how you're going to sell them, even if you are traditionally published. Uh, and if you don't want that pressure. Mind you, I don't I don't think we're saying not to do it for money, right? Like, oh, of course. By all means. Yeah. Like, if for that's sure. your, yeah. Yeah. And I mean. Uh, but yeah, definitely. Like you said, just know what the fuck is going on. To, exactly. And I mean, I've been on both sides of the coin where I didn't know what was going on. I didn't read royalty statements. I didn't understand how many copies of books I needed to sell. So therefore I made no money. And then with these contracts and this book, I understand my numbers and I understand what's expected of me. Now, reading a royalty statement is a totally different ballgame. It's very confusing. You can Google Talk it. Talk about a worksheet. We need that worksheet. Well, I right? do. I actually include a real royalty statement with all of the personal information blacked out again, in, right in the course. I'm telling you this digital course, like we've got this course will so change much, your life so much in there. Um, but it's, it's so important. I spend, I really suggest people spending a lot of time crunching numbers. I have a client who landed a book deal and did not get offered in advance. It's with a really great publisher. But again, that publisher is, 
you know, switching over to this newer model. And we really talked about that because he is a multimillionaire and he's not doing this for money, but of course he'd love to have a big advance. But at the same time, it does kind of take some of the pressure off where you can really start making money immediately. Uh, You just might not get the publisher support in such a big way from a big advance. But something to know about royalties. So say you don't get an advance, you don't get paid any money and you have a royalty rate that's like high. Let's say it's 20, you get 25% of whatever your book is selling for. That would, um, that would be considered high. That's pretty high. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. high. Like my my royalty rate's like seven percent or something. Um, but you only get paid royalties either quarterly or twice a year. Like with my contract, it's twice a year. So again, making money unless you're selling like a ton of books, it's hard to to make sure that you are budgeting appropriately to live on those funds, especially if you have, you know, if you're doing workshops or events or you're paying your own way for a book tour or whatever, you really have to be responsible about that money and make sure you understand those those numbers, you understand what's going in, you're checking in with your agent. My agent um, sends me weekly book scan numbers, which tells me how many I've sold in each category. So we can kind of keep a pulse on on the numbers and see like, Ooh, this is, this week's not good. Like what can we do? Or, Oh, this was a good week. So what made that difference? And, and just, just being aware. Um, I mean, it's my number one tip for people is just to know your numbers, uh, when it comes to getting paid and making money. Like it's the same with a job, right? Like you wouldn't go into a job and have no idea what your salary is and never ask and just hope that you make some money. Like it's, it's the same thing. Also like you wouldn't go, you don't go into a job, make a salary and not know what's getting taken out. A thousand percent. So let's say X person, whoever lands a deal in terms of the money at every step of the way. Two questions. What are they, what are they do? Like what, what do they get from whom what are they entitled to money-wise? And specifically, how does one avoid or what should one know? Maybe you could speak a little bit more about your recent experience. What what do people need to know that they're entitled to in this in these types of situations? I mean, read your contract. Like that is so important. If you sign with a literary agent, Read your contract and get a lawyer. Have a lawyer. Sit down. Have with a, lawyer. a lawyer. I mean, I know it seems a little much for some people. Like, I'm not going to hire a lawyer or or have someone who really knows how to read contracts. But you need to make sure that you are protecting yourself. Any kind of contract that is sent to you is not in your best interest. Usually, <laughs> it's in the other person's best interest. I mean, that's just the nature of it, right? Like, it's the nature of contracts. So making sure you understand each clause, how you get paid, when you get paid, who's responsible for what, who's holding your money, how are you getting your money, and don't be afraid to ask for things. Like I just got asked to be paid by my publisher directly and never knew you could do that as an author. 
and you can. And so how you you don't know things until you ask for them. And I think a lot of authors don't think about it. Like they don't know what to ask. They don't know what they're entitled to. So read the contract through and through. Ask, don't be afraid to ask. The worst thing that can happen is someone says no, but really pay attention to the clauses around how you get paid, when you get paid. And again, have somebody that you trust look over it to make sure that it's okay. I have a lot of clients that will send me their contracts to just kind of read through because I now I read a lot of them and kind of can see red flags. Um, and I've signed a lot of terrible contracts in, in the past are that I any, wish I hadn't. Are there any red flags specifically that you feel like you come across a lot where maybe a, a publisher... Not saying, not naming names. No, I mean, not really. I mean, like literary agent contracts, literary agency contracts are usually pretty tame. There's, there's usually not any kind of crazy red flag. Publishing contracts are dense. I mean, they're, they're really big. I I mean, you know, paying attention to your rights and what rights you retain, what rights they retain, if you want input on your book cover, you know, that's never written in there. So like you need to ask for things. And I'm curious with you, Joe, like in the screen writing world, like, you know, I signed a movie option deal and that contract was really interesting too. But like, what's the standard in that industry? What do people run up against? How do they get paid? I mean, that's something that I'm super curious about. Like, I feel like you hear people I just wrote like an award-winning screenplay or I, I wrote a screenplay. How do you get paid for it? Like, how do you make money I mean, I, doing that? I think you made such a great point earlier where uh, when you said that like the contract, like read your contracts because most contracts are not in your best interest. Yes. I think the sad part is, and I think this goes for both and this is not, I'm not, you know, we don't want to sit and lambast. Oh, not at all. And just, you know, especially like, it's entirely uh, like what a spot to be in to be both part of an industry and to also bitch about it at the same time. <laughs> but the, it's it, it nothing is really in your best interest. Everybody is going to try to get more from you for less money. You know, I I think in screenwriting it's similar. I feel like you at a certain level like. You know, my writing partner and I are just starting out. We're super green. We're super fresh. We're definitely in that will write for food. We take anything. And we're ripe for picking for, you know, independent, small production companies who are looking to scrape by on a budget of their own that could, honest to God, shoot uh, a writing duo, five thousand bucks, and you got to figure that again. You got your their percentages coming right off the top, and then for my writing partner and I, like, there's both a, a benefit and a drawback to being a writing team, is that you'll you'll get in a lot more doors. But the reason is, is because essentially they're getting two two writers for the price of one. And I th- I think something just I'm just saying this because I know you. I don't feel like you know your worth and. You know, I used to kind of have the same mentality. I worked several jobs where I got paid, I mean, way under what I was worth in terms of how I was performing. But again, yeah, I would take like anything I could get. And then I remember 
this, my dear friend and who ended up getting a six figure book deal and runs a million dollar company now, she took me with her. She had a startup and they just didn't have enough money to, to keep, um, to keep people on. But then she decided to leave. And when she did, I mean, I had a kid, Alex was out of work at the time and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And she was gracious enough to take me with her to this like billion dollar company out of Dallas. And she and I both had some scarcity issues around money big time. And like we perpetually worked for under what we were worth. And we went to this job and I made more money in that year than I've ever made for basically doing nothing. I mean, it was like the weirdest, it was the weirdest experience. We talk about that, but it was the turning point where I asked for something. I asked for a specific amount that was so wildly out of my comfort zone and someone said yes. And for me, that clicked in my brain that I'm like, oh no, I I can make, I can make whatever I wanna make with money. And so I set the standard for myself and once I took that onto my own work um, with my own clients and and started charging people for book proposals and kind of cringing at like, oh, God, I'm going to ask somebody. I think I started at like $5,000 a book proposal. And then I realized how much work it was. And then I upped it to $7,500. And then I was like, this is like months and months long process. Like, so I raised it to $10,000. And then I started talking to people in the industry and they were like, you need to be charging like $20,000, $25,000 for this. Like, this is, this is a premium service. You are walking them through everything. And now I know that I know how much work it is. And I know the kind of work that I produce. And I know that I'm worth that amount. And before, like just a few years ago, I never would say that. And we don't go around saying like, I'm worth this because it sounds egotistical. And, but it's not. I mean, I think knowing your worth and knowing what you can make is huge if you are in a creative field, like to get paid what you're worth. I totally agree. I, 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 you know, it's, again, it's not all about the money. Like we just launched this course, um, this digital course for 97 bucks. And when we sold our first course, I literally woke up the next morning and I saw that a course had sold and I was more excited about that $97 than I was about getting $10,000 from a client just because it was something that I had never done before. I had so much fun creating it. It was really uncomfortable because I didn't know what went all into the courses and the platforms that you use and you know, creating pipelines and funnels and all this different stuff. But I learned, I sat there and I made myself go through it, not around it. And so I learned a new skill. And the fact that like a person bought it and is going to get all that value from something that I loved doing, that is so worth it to me. So it's not, it's not all about the money, but it's about, again, doing stuff that you really love. Like why is it the norm to work jobs that we hate? Yeah, totally. And now would be a perfect opportunity to mention if you go to www.rightwayco.com, you can enro- pay for and enroll in Ria's course. So you want to write a book, now what? $97 chock full of information and will literally give you the stepping stones to getting to that next level. Definitely. And if people haven't taken a digital course, you know, this is something you do on your own time. You pay for it. 
and then you get to do it whenever you want to. There's not a ton of videos. It's not super long because I wanted to pare it down to the most important information around, you know, publishing a book, figuring out uh, what publication path is right for you, defining your own goals. We, we talk way, uh, we get way heavy into money in it. And there's so many checklists and cheat sheets and little surprise freebies that I give too, um, because I really want people to have the tools to actually do it and not just start something and then think about it one day. And then maybe like, if you're serious about it, do it. And I'm going to, I mean, that's, that's what the course is for to take you into action, not just thinking about it. It's terribly important. So go to the website, uh, check out the digital course, check out our, our services, listen to the first episode of this podcast. So you want to write a book now, what, um, where Rhea and I break it down, um, and for the love of God, wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, subscribe to the podcast. It, it costs nothing <laughs> to just click that button, click the button and rate and review each episode. Rate and review each episode. Uh, you can also get in touch with us directly. Um, links through the website to our, uh, to our right way emails. Please, please, please reach out. Uh, if there's something you want to know, if there's something that you need help with, if there's something you want to hear on the podcast, if there's something you want us to talk about, um, we're here to try to have the conversations that no one else is having or the conversations that seem to be a bit elusive for people that are just getting started. Yes, sir. Um, I am Joe Tower, joined as always by the incomparable Rhea Fry. Join us on this journey of both Self-discovery and pulling the curtain back on the bullshit. <laughs> and self-destruction at times. <laughs> <laughs> Trying not to self-destruct. <laughs> wine. That's what the wine is for. That, you know what? I'm quitting wine. I have had it. It is. See, I'm distracting myself. I could be doing so many other things. So wine is off the table. Look at you. Good for you. I know. Trying. Um, I gotta Talk watch. to me next month. We'll I got to. <laughs> I gotta start. I gotta stop distracting myself with cheeseburgers. My blood pressure is too high. Yep. Nope. This is. Oh I mean, we're not. God. We're not getting any younger, Joe. Like. No. Shit's getting I real. I want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 On that note. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll see you next month. See you next month. Thanks for listening to Right Way. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and rate or review this episode. And if there's something you want to hear, head on over to rightwayco.com and let us know. Until next time. <laughs>